3: American Glutton Podcast has a Patreon. Do you hate commercials? Well, we've got a Patreon. Do you want bonus episodes? That's on the Patreon. Do you want to hang out and chat in our Discord channel? That's part of the Patreon, too. We even have an option where you can leave me voicemails. All on the Patreon. So check it out today. Patreon.com slash American Glutton. We have a Patreon. Hi Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. The biggest factor in weight loss for me has been knowing ahead of time what I'm going to eat and having it ready when I need it. Trifecta meal deliveries have made this completely effortless for me and have been a total game changer in both diet and maintenance. Go to www.trifectanutrition.com slash American Glutton to make your life and physical goals a whole lot easier. My guest today is Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. He is a physician and an obesity and lipid specialist. Today we are discussing whether obesity is a choice or not. You can find him on Instagram at Dr. Nadolsky. Stay tuned after the episode for this week's follow-up with Mike Pena, Doctor Spencer Nadolsky. Welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. This is what 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 number is this? Four. This is four, four. or five. Um. Okay. I want to start by saying that you wrote something seven years ago that uh, you know I think was timely then, but it has cropped up and become a topic um, amongst people. And I think um, it's a very, I mean, there's a lot to discuss here, but the topic is, is obesity a choice? This is what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. So from my perspective, I, you know, I spend a lot of time trying. i really do try my best to go. Like somebody said something that I generally disagree with. I want to try to see how they're right. What is their, what is their perspective that leads them to that? Right. There's a gym bro who goes, uh, obesity is just a choice, man. Just choose, you know, and I go like that, that doesn't make sense to me. Right. Um, totally. However, I do think the solutions all require choice. Yes. And like (laughs) you, and then it's effort and all this other stuff. But I think that the guy with perfect genes who never developed bad habits as a kid who has maybe pristine health education and nutrient and nutritional education and just naturally likes working out and i said genes but let's double down on genetics that choice that that guy's making is a lot different than the choice that i'm making yes and so to just make it a binary choice or you're choosing one or the other, for me, I go like, I don't think those choices are the same.
1: Right. You know, it's choosing a, like a physiological state. It's just, it's, it's, it's more of like a rhetorical, it, it, the, it's not, it can't even really be answered. Although like, so seven years ago, I wrote the blog. It, was, it went viral back then when actually blogs were like a thing. They're not really a thing anymore. <laughs> Some people still write stuff, but um not as popular now. It's all about the short little TikToks and and right. reels and whatever. Memes You've got
3: to f- communicate it in one sentence or less. Otherwise,
1: yes. it's too much. You forget it. Forget it. Yeah. Some people like the YouTube thing, whatever. Doesn't matter. They're listening to the podcast though, so that's good. The people yeah. that are listening. So that means they like longer form. So I wrote it back then in in terms of like a kind of rhetorical type of question. Is it, is it really a choice? Do you like, so the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because you've lived through this Yeah, and it'd well, be interesting I, to hear your perspective of like when
3: you were younger. Like, so I, uh, you know, the, in, in, pr- in the present, right. I, I will talk about my childhood, but in the yeah. present, the, the only thing I can really equate it to um, is substance abuse stuff because mm-hmm. I'm also a recovering drug addict. And, mm-hmm. and so um, my wife can have a glass of wine. And then if it's all a choice, she can choose to not have a second glass of wine. I, I've tried to do that. It's been a long time since I tried to do that. But I have tried to do that because there was a long period of my life where I had real severe substance abuse problems. And, and then when I would think about like getting off hard drugs, I would go, but like, I'm going to be able to drink, you know, often it was like, well, I'll use alcohol to numb the discomfort I'm feeling from getting off something else. And so this idea of choice in that, for me, I have to be abstinent. um, There there is no universe where I choose, you know, maybe I get through one sitting where I choose to have one glass of wine, but this is not something that I feel strongly that I can continue to be successful at. And so in the same way, there's something there's, I think there's similar parallels. I know that food is not um, biologically addictive in the way that substances are. But there are behavioral addictions and um, compulsions and all kinds of weird sh- people are doing stuff with food that they don't want to be doing. Right. And so um, so in that sense, I, I just think that calling it a choice to me, uh, you miss so much nuance and you miss so much yeah. of what people are going through. And if it makes you feel better that you're super strong and able to make this simple choice, then I go like, OK, OK. Um, you know, as a kid, uh, my first experiences where I was even thinking about my body as something that I had involvement in. Right. So the first time I, I separated this idea of my body is a thing and not necessarily me, right? Because this is like a weird concept, you know, because Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's necessarily true, but I do sit here and go, like, there was a point in my childhood where my body became this bad thing, this negative thing. And there was some separation where I wanted my body to be a good thing. And yet it was a bad thing. Um, And I was put on diets and I habitually cheated at these diets. And I wasn't as a little kid going, uh, I'm being told my body is bad. I want a good body. I'm told that the way to get a good body is through diet or diet and exercise. Um, And yet I'm not finding the ability to make that choice. I, so it's fucking gets really complicated. Yes. So that's that. How old were you? Five, five. That's pretty
1: young. Cause, cause usually the way I describe it is most people go through life in, you know, you'll see these fitness bros, like it's just a choice. You may and sure it might be a bunch of choices, but it's just a choice. I'm like, so every single action that you do during the day that has relation to your physical activity and your eating, which is like, I don't know hundreds of 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 choices per day. I choose to sit here right now talking to you as opposed to maybe going for a walk. Whatever. So all throughout your life in childhood, are you choosing, do I want obesity or not? Every little, every minute of the day. No. So what's interesting is that you you at a younger age though is what I that I usually give the description for. Most people go through their life passively and maybe they kind of know that they're gaining weight, but it's not, it's, it's subconscious to them. It's not, it's not in their mind and they're not choosing at every meal. Hey, I want obesity. Yep. I want obesity. Yep. I want obesity. Or no, I don't want obesity. It's more of just like, I'm just eating because I want to eat. and this tastes good. And I'm just living my life. It's subconscious. But for you,
3: it was early though. But let me say I'm recounting that through the lens of everything I've gone through. So as a five-year-old kid, I was experiencing shame for the first time at five and um, I, I can distinctly remember a period, uh, at the beach with my shirt off and having no idea there was just like no perception of my body at all. It didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. Yeah. I was just at the beach and I yeah. liked being at the beach and I'm playing. And like a year later, I've got a shirt on. I'm sitting on a towel because I'm terrified of people seeing me walk to the water. And so all that started. So they weren't literal thoughts. Like I described, this is through the lens of like 20 years of thinking about this a lot where I go, Oh, that's what was happening. I was feeling shame. Um, I was withholding myself from physical activity because I had been told that I was fat and this was bad. Um, And then I'm being put on diets to solve for me being fat. And I didn't like that. And so I cheated at my diets. I don't think I was ever choosing anything.
1: Right. So even, so then I guess, so now we get into, you were even conscious of it, but even still, you didn't feel as if you had, you had free will almost in a way.
3: No, my free will was expressed in, I don't, I, 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 I'm not happy with having my food restricted. So I am going to um, eat when people aren't looking. That was my expression of free will. And it, again, it wasn't literal. I wasn't sitting there thinking that, right. thought. It was just the, that's the, the way I can sum up the experience I had. Yeah, no, that <laughs> I mean, I, I'm glad you're, we're
1: having this discussion because, you know, coming from me, they're just like, yeah, hey, you're a, Dr. Big Pharma shill, whatever you want to say, right. It's it, it means more coming from someone who lived through it, especially at a younger age. Um, and so how do you, how do you convince people? So this is, so of course I make this post every few months and every time I post it, everybody gets mad. And, you know, I actually had a good conversation with, uh, Greg Doucette. Um, he's got a big YouTuber. He invited me on cause he was like, came onto my, on my Instagram. It's like, no. The obesity is a choice of course it is and i was like okay let's have this conversation right so we actually had a pretty good conversation about it and that's i think you saw my um because uh, jeff nippard posted about he made a video about it and then of course the same thing you know we all have different types of followers but his followers were mad at him and basically said he's woke blah 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 i don't know it's, like, you know, it's the typical type of stuff and uh, most people will say it's a, it's a, it's a group of choices. And of course you can make the choice to not have obesity. So what, what's interesting though, is that by the end of the conversation with Greg, we basically came to a similar agreement in that if we're calling it a choice, so like, for example, once you develop, I, I say, it's not a choice developing it. Cause even though you were kind of conscious of it, 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 it wasn't till later you actually could figure out how to make a conscious choice to fight back against it. But it think, took decades, dude, yes. but,
3: but it took decades before I even got to the point where I could go like, oh, I think I can do something about this. Yes. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, exactly. That's, that's the point I'm talking. So most people, they get to that point, not a choice. Okay. So now you've developed the obesity, the weight, the excess weight, whatever you want to call it. And, and now you're like, okay, can I make a choice? You, you're able to, you're able to fight back. You're fighting back right now, every day. You know, we've had these conversations. It's a very conscious every single day. You have to put an effort. Now there are some people that seem to still struggle. And that's where I talk about the disease of obesity. You know, our environment's fighting against us. We have Whether psychology fit, I would say a lot of what you felt was also physiology, some of these biological things that occur in the brain, lots of overlap with addiction, but there's other, there's other little things that go on, um, that have to do with our reward center and our satiety. And, uh, people, people don't see that, you know, I I don't, I, I don't think they understand it at all. But at the end of the conversation, we go, we basically got to the point where it's like, okay, if. It would be a choice to then start. If you wanted to get surgery, that's a choice to make that decision. It's a choice to fight back. Once you're, once you're conscious of it, like you took you a while to even get to that point, it's no guarantee that you're going to lose weight. Although we got to the point where I suppose you could have somebody lock you in a room. This is so extreme. It's not even, it's not even a practical choice though. Someone could lock you somewhere somewhere. Chain you to something and basically starve you. You you could pay somebody to to do that, and you could get all the drugs and surgery and whatever. And if you're if you want to go that extreme to where that's a choice, it's not even practical. It's it doesn't even make any sense. But I suppose it would be a choice in that because then we can't over you know overcome uh, physics. You you would start wasting away. But that's not practically true.
3: Right. If that no. Makes, if that makes sense. <laughs> Look, I've I've you, you get to the point with substances and, and for me, it was largely opiates. And you get to the point where you're like, this is messing my life up. Yeah. I, my life is unmanageable because of this. And, and, uh, I can't do this anymore. And then there's a, a pretty long period of time where existence without them, is almost worse than what you were experiencing right as you made that decision um and so within that universe the, the 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 ability to make a choice that is of no consequence because you have no you're not in being subjected to pain because you choose not to take heroin y- you I don't know if I don't know your history with drugs, but like as of today, yeah. you can choose not to take heroin and it doesn't change your life at all. If you're a junkie, you're facing potentially years where your your, your brain chemistry isn't going to be able to process happiness in the same way. You're, you're, the whole dopamine system has been so um, stretched and suppressed that when we experience joy a, a, as accomplishment, that doesn't happen anymore for a while. And so you get into this, the doldrums of, um, God, it's just not worth it. And so much in the same way as you, you wake up one day obese, your knees hurt, your back hurts, you're not fitting in public spaces comfortably, and you go, God, I, I want to change this a similar mechanism happens where like, if you do something too extreme, which is really being sold in mass in in today's world, Mm -hmm. like just do X, Y, and Z, which by the way, is almost all uh, predestined to fail and get you to do it again. But you do this really extreme thing a week or two, or even a month into it, The the misery is going to weigh more than the misery of the day you made the decision to change. And so I go like, that's not the same choice as a dude who likes working out. It's just not. And so if it is a choice, um, I would just ask people to have empathy with like, okay, fine. If it's just a choice, realize it's a different choice for me than it is for you a guy who's not experienced this.
1: Yeah. You 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 liked my comment there. First of all, that's scary. That's some scary shit you just discussed. Like imagine you're trying to make a change for the better and you feel like it's not even worth it. You get to this point. It's, it sucks. It's painful. And you're like, I'd rather just continue having that weight or continue the drugs, whatever.
3: The other Uh, pain is not as bad as the pain I'm in now. Well, I mean, how, 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 where's the choice there,
1: right? How long did it take, by the way, for you not to feel that other pain from drugs, from both from food, both.
3: you know, I, I will say that I failed at many diets that I think, and, and food is, is very different simply because there's no abstinence from food Right. right. We eat and, and, and this becomes even, so it becomes actually more complicated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. With drugs, there's a long period of time where you just have to um, convince yourself that you're going to feel good again, right? That you're going to feel normal, whatever normal was. By the way, a lot of the drugs were to escape whatever you felt, whatever your normal barometer was you wanted. That was so bad that you want to do drugs just to not have to deal with that. So just convincing yourself that you'll get back to that. Is tricky because it's like mm. God, that was pretty bad. <laughs> if I'm just aiming to get back to that, so there's that. And you know, being around like-minded people who've gone through it, sharing the experience with them, and hearing that 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 somebody else has made it, that's super helpful. And uh, hearing about other people's experiences, and and then sharing your own experience and being vulnerable, I found all that super helpful. Um, and then there's some real work to do, right. To actually start to confront like what, it, what in my life was so bad that I was doing X, Y, and Z same with food. Like I, I eat out of anxiety. I eat out of joy. I eat out of sorrow. I eat out of boredom. Why am I doing that? What is it that, uh, I'm escaping? What is it that I'm trying to control? So I, I have to confront all of that. Like, it's a lot of work. It's not just you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. I mean, that's certainly part of it, but that's like a tiny little part of it.
1: Yeah. imagine having a, a, an itch that you got to scratch and you just, you're not, you're like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And it just keeps getting itch here and itch. You know, fine. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to scratch that itch. You know, I, I, the, the, the analogy that I came up with was, and I don't know, maybe there are better ones, but New York to LA. Some people can fly. So this is this analogy works when somebody has obesity and decides that they want to resolve it. Uh, New York to LA, some people they're going to fly. They're able to fly and they get there pretty quickly, somewhat painlessly. Other people, they, they drive. Some people have to unfortunately bike. And then there's some people that are going to have to walk. That choice kind of sucks, right? I'm pretty sure they can do it. I'm, I'm, I know they can, but practically probably not going to happen for most people. They're not going to walk. And so there, there are a large number out there of people who are with obesity that are going to have to walk. It sounds, it sounds bad. And it's easy for, you know, the, the fitness types of people to say, I don't get it. Just, just get in a calorie deficit, just eat some chicken breasts and, and broccoli and some brown rice <laughs> or whatever.
3: Yeah. Um, well, what about the kid who's raised in, um, what do they call it? Uh, food deserts, right?
1: Yeah. So that, that was kind of the blog type of thing that yeah. I came up with. So what's that, what choice
3: is that kid making?
1: Right. So here's, here's, here's the example. And this gets extreme, but it's more common than what we would think. First of all, you know, we can't choose our parents. Then there's some data to show that these kind of epigenetics, the, the switches that turn on and off some of our genes Uh, and hopefully if there's any geneticists listening they're like, oh man, that guy's just bastardizing this, uh, term, but, (laughs) but, but what our parents do, um, in utero, you like even what your dad was doing when he, uh, when, when, when you, you and your mom, uh, they, they conceived, you know, so sperm, uh, the mom during pregnancy, what they eat, uh, and do physical activity, what they eat maybe has an effect on offspring as well. Maybe it probably does. Then, uh, well, the
3: Dutch hunger winter, that study, yeah, I, yeah. I love that study. And that, and that for me, I, I know it's one study and, and you got you use sciencey people like lots and lots of studies, but that pretty much shows that obesity occurred to all the children who were be like, there was a genetic shift while they were, uh, while their mothers were pregnant. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, I mean, these things have powerful outcomes. And so, you know, and they're like, well, it's still a choice. I'm like, well, you know, subconsciously, if you're younger and you just have a little bit bigger serving sizes, you may even choose to try to eat healthier when you're younger, but nobody chooses again, it's all subconscious. You're not thinking about that. You're served what you're given when you're younger, like your parents feed you whatever, you're like, No, mom, I would like some salmon and broccoli, please. And they're right. like, Get the fuck, get the hell out of here, kid. Yeah. Here's a here's a pizza or whatever. I don't know. Um, so you, you slight changes in your appetite and satiety centers and reward centers. So you eat a little bit more, a little bit more than other people, and slowly over time you start gaining weight. Is that a choice? So that so in, in the blog that I wrote, it was all, you know, I I should probably update it with you know, what I understand a little bit better, but, um, the, the whole point was like, there's a lot of stuff out of our control that we're not even thinking about, you know, uh, breastfed babies versus formula fed babies. Eh, is there, is there a mechanism there? Maybe, maybe not whether you're uh, vaginal or C-section, is it a true mechanism? I don't know. There seems to be something there. Maybe maybe not, those were not choices of ours, you know, growing up, uh, obviously, um, you know, uh, uh, upbringing makes a big difference, not just genetics. As you said, my, my dad was the wrestling coach, um, and had a key to the weight room. We went really young. He was all into nutrition. So, so I was, I got into wrestling football. I was really into it, favorable genetics, you know, so whatever, hard work. Um, but other people, you know, maybe their parents work two jobs, maybe they're a single mom, They got to work two jobs. And so uh, the kid might start getting behavioral issues. I have a lot of people that have been on um, psychiatric medicines for a long time because they had anger issues or mood issues at school. Those medicines can increase appetite and uh, change where you kind of store the fat over time. Again, these are extremes. You start adding all these things in and and like you said, it was just like subconscious until – Finally, later, someone develops the obesity over time, not by any choice of their own with, with their surroundings. They have whatever food deserts. It doesn't matter it just, you could just put somebody anywhere, uh, not in an affluent area. And, uh, they're more likely probably to develop obesity, not because they, they could go get canned, uh, green bean. This is the arguments like, well, the food, food can be cheap. I, you know, I post, I post these things and it's kind of silly because it's like, yes, of course, but the path of least resistance is always to get these super yummy, high calorie palatable types of foods over time. People gain weight, not really consciously. And so that's, that's the gist of what happens then to make a choice to fight back against it. Once you develop the obesity, then it, your, your brain, you know, whether you want to talk about set points or not, our brains fight back against us. Once we start to try to lower our adiposity levels through appetite changes uh, it can You can fight back. You've done it uh, through, through very strong efforts. I use medicines in patients to hit certain receptors in the brain to fight back against those cravings. In fact, what's interesting, some of the drugs that I use, uh, I don't use them as much anymore because these newer ones hit all the different receptors in different ways. But uh, naltrexone is for, for uh, alcohol cessation. Um, Bupropion is used for smoking cessation um you actually combine those two medicines and they work both in the reward center in the brain for addictive like uh behaviors and it can also help people eat less now these newer medicines these GLP1 medicines these injectable medicines that i use they work up in the brain in multiple levels not only that uh, reward center but also satiety so i'll see patients who have just struggled they've lost 100 pounds and regained 100 pounds you know multiple times I give them these medicines are like, I finally feel normal. They always knew, yes, I, I know I need to eat fewer calories. They know that already. It was just an, what, just telling them it's a choice. That doesn't work. They, they, they understand, but it's like they just couldn't do it. You give them the medicine, they feel like all of a sudden I can do it now.
3: And I think that gets at the heart of my, my whole, the reason I want to talk to you about all of this is what's the point? in saying it's a choice. Huh. like If somebody's clearly making the choice that you don't like, how does telling them you're just making a choice get them to change their choice? You, you know what I mean? like Because most of these people are.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
3: Uh, staunchly anti obese, the people who are, it's just a choice. And I've seen a couple of people who have, who, who have uh, lost weight, who talk about it being just a choice. And to them, I'm like, I think, I think this is, a, I think this is misleading because I would be willing to bet you went through more than just making a choice one day. Yeah, you know what I mean?
1: So, so I always ask because those people will show up on my on my uh, comments, and they'll get a ton of likes. And I go also, oh, so you chose to have obesity. You just you chose that, right? Well, no, I mean, I was I was eating a lot. And I was like, so you, you just chose I want to have obesity. And they're like, no. And I'm like, right, you never chose that you, you consciously made the choice now to fight back hard and you found strategies to fight back. Well, yeah, I guess if you say it like that, yes, yes, we, you do, you can now make a conscious choice to fight back. It's just that again, some people won't be able to fight back as hard and that's where they need the help, as much help as they can get to fight those, whether it's environmental or biological or both psychological, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Uh, We have tools to kind of fight all the different components of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Some, actually some of the people that have lost weight or there's, they, sometimes they can be the worst because what they'll. They'll say it's like if I can do it, you can do it. And it's like, well, maybe you were the one that was able to fly from from New York to LA, and all these other people are pieces of shit. Like, right? They they don't they don't want it bad enough. I, I don't think so. I think there's stronger biological drivers going on. That's what I would say.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen. Within that analogy, I still feel like I'm walking. I'm I'm yeah. still on the road and going. Like, I know I'll get there. LA is west. And so if I just stay on this path, one day I'll get there or I'll die trying, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe and and I'm and I'm and I go I prefer this journey to staying in New York and going like, well, I know there's another place I'd love to see but I'm not going to go see it because it's a really long hard path.
1: Yeah, what's driving you? I I I want to know how to instill like, you know, it would be nice to instill what is driving you into my patients. It's it's hard. I don't know.
3: I, I got to say, um, you know, I'm, my motivation is really my family. And, and I feel bad saying that because I can't give everybody my family or everybody, you know, if you don't have that yeah. or whatever a version of that, then I don't I don't want to say like it's hopeless. But also to your point about cost, we talked about cost. You mentioned cost i'll come back to it but but as far as that goes um i don't know um a single o- over not even obese but an overweight person who hasn't tried multiple times to lose I don't, weight I don't not either. one yeah and, and 10 I'm, to 20 times i, I always hear from patients. for sure at least and and i'm a big fan of lizzo i would even be willing to bet somewhere in her, her life she went on a diet with the intention of losing weight And has come to this, like, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm proud of myself and, and I'm happy for her. You know what I mean? Like, sincerely, I like her. Um, I don't think, I don't, I don't think the message to people who really want to lose weight, um, to, to stop wanting that. Uh, I don't think, I don't like that message so much yeah. because, because I do believe that something can be done about this condition. Yeah. Um, but it is a lot of hard work. Uh, so I, I don't know. I keep recreating this, this idea of my goal and I keep reinventing it, you know, it was very narrow in the beginning. It was just, I need to lose weight period. Mm-hmm. And and it was finite because the goal ended every time I lost weight and the goal could end after five pounds. If it was really hard and I lost 10 pounds, five is a little bit, five is overnight easy for me. But if it was like, I'm doing something really hard, I lost 10 pounds. Okay, good. Now I can eat a cheeseburger. Right. Yeah. And so I've had to broaden it and go like, No, that's not my goal. My goal is to achieve some form of health that is really long term. um, That I'm not having huge peaks and valleys with, but I still have ups and downs. It's not like maintenance for me is not a perfect score across the board. It does go like, hey, I I went a little wild over the weekend, but a little wild for me is no longer ordering pizzas. A little wild is like I I eyeballed my rice. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't, I didn't perfectly measure my tablespoon of olive oil and I got a little bit of a heavy pour. So I know when I'm doing that, I'm going, all right, I'm going to have to make up for this somewhere. You know what I mean? But it's like, that's, this is my life. And this is my life where, where like my wife has a glass of wine and I look at that wine and I go, wouldn't it be nice to be a person who could have a glass of wine? It's unfortunate that I'm not that person. Yeah. You know? What, what you kind of described
1: is, is this acceptance-based kind of therapy that I try to get my coaches to do it with uh, their clients, but it's, it's instead of an end result, you're going more towards your values. It's like a compass because yeah. as you said, you could achieve your way. It's like, well, now what? Right. And so you, you have to somehow find these other ways to just keep going with wealth. And for you, it's, it's your family, which I think is, is great. And here, here's a question when i ever whenever i say obesity is not a choice i wish i just could just say it's not really a choice but that's a stupid question in the first place type of thing yeah but people people like that's so demotivating and and people aren't going to try anymore um that's not the goal cuz i want people to know they can absolutely try to do something about it i'm just saying it's going to be extremely hard and just know that. And it, you may not be as successful as you want to be, but you can keep trying. And we have tools to try to help you, whether it's medicine, surgery, or behavioral therapies, or all the above type of thing. Do you think it's demotivating to hear that it's not a choice? I don't know.
3: <laughs> well, I, I but, but, but I think if the problem is I I don't think it's a choice. I don't think right. obesity is a choice. I don't, I don't know a single person who's making that choice. Yeah, I don't you know either. what I mean? I, I just don't, I don't know a single alcoholic who's going, no, no, that's not true. I know a couple who are going like, fuck it. I'm going to be an alcoholic. That's, that's not actually, that's not actually untrue. Um, But even those people that I know have had uh, periods where they wake up one day and they go, holy shit, what did I do last night? My life is unmanageable. I need help. I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. So even they have the, I do think that change is a choice, but I I think it's so much more complicated than the idea of just make one choice. I think it's a million choices Yes, and it's really hard And depending on your environment and your circumstances and your genetics and your psychological makeup and all of these things, it's going to be more, more, more hard. And so like, I, I, I don't know. This is why I go like, what, what is the point in pushing this idea that it's a choice because you're simplifying something that's very complicated.
1: Yes. Yes. Humans like binary choice. You know, they like, they like the yes and the no. So that, that, uh, that would make sense that people keep bringing that up, but it is, it is stupid. It's extremely stupid and it shows a lack of, you know, my comment, it shows just a complete lack of understanding, uh, of the, of the disease condition, whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. as you pointed out, based on your history and obviously my, uh experience with, with tons of patients, but, um, you, you described it very well, uh, in the beginning of the podcast, of like, this
3: isn't, this isn't a choice. <laughs> what I, are you talking I mean, about? it's, it, you know, I, I, I think if we're going to get super literal, if, if you're saying it's a choice, this is an absolute statement. And so if I can show you one instance that that's right. not the case, then it just defeats, in my opinion, your argument of this absolute statement. And I would just go, um, you know, go to Detroit, go into the hood, go find a single parent raising multiple kids, look at what they're eating, find an obese one and observe him and watch. And you tell me if he's making a choice to be. Yes. Obese. Yeah. That's it. It's, that's it. There you go. I mean, that, that, that,
1: Yes, exactly. You know, I. I yeah, I, I don't. I think if people kind of listen to this and they go, "No, you're right." Now, I do want people to understand, though, as they're listening, to know that they can make the the conscious choice to fight back. Yeah, I won't. I can't tell you if you're going to be successful or not, at least on the first or maybe the tenth try. Uh, but you know, again, we do have these tools just to help alleviate uh, some of that biological pain that you're going through. Um, when you try to make that choice, though, to try to kind of scratch that uh, itch without having to use food to do it type of thing.
3: Right. And, and like the thing that I'm most excited to talk about, and I repeat myself ad nauseum on here because I find it to be and almost because I'm telling myself um, and it's the one thing like, you know, if I did fit for life and had success, which I've done by the way, and did not, and, and and definitely lost weight and then gained weight again. But, but my point is if there was one thing that I thought was um the, the, that which has helped me the most, it's this idea of maintenance. Mm-hmm. That's it. That for me, like, I don't care what you do. It, If you were confronting massive weight loss after a period of massive weight loss, hyper focus on maintenance, like become an expert at maintenance, right? Before you do it again, you know, like if you're doing a liquid diet and you're going to do 30 days, good. After that, do maintenance and then do it again like that. And that's not, there's no maintenance diet book. This is not a thing. This is what the quote unquote sciencey guys talk about, you know? Yeah. It's it's and it's not one guy. There's lots of people who talk about this. It's it's like it, not only is it um, something I have anecdotally experienced success with. There's a lot of research and studies that say like people generally are more successful when they do X, Y, and Z, and this is a big component of that. And so, like, you know, I, I this this liver guy um (laughs) the liver king the liver king like he (laughs) says like all you have to do is these ancestral tenants and everything will be fine and i go like if you got to lose 200 pounds a hundred pounds in your body isn't going to just be going like everything's fine because i'm eating organ meat and getting sunlight and taking a walk every day your body is going to be going, we're fucking starving. Yes, yes. Like no matter what. And so what do you do then? Because by the way, like his ancestral tenants, I go, like, if you took a, an obese person who was sedentary and eating mostly processed foods and just had them do that, it's probably a huge benefit. Like you might yes. get a lot out of that. It's, it sounds great. Sunlight walks, eating uh, whole nutritious foods, I I'd I'd say get a little more fiber than he talks about, but like, whatever, that's like, you know, um, really nitpicking, but that's not the be all end all I don't believe in a be all end all to this stuff. And I don't think everybody's going to have the same success on everything. Like maintenance for me doesn't have to be the exact same way. Anybody else eats for maintenance. I'm just saying like, get really professional at, um, understanding, what you can eat in a day and what won't make you gain weight. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's really been the, the life changer for me is this, this idea of like, I'm far, far, far more hyper-focused on understanding my body in maintenance than I am at how do I lose weight? I can lose weight so easily, dude.
2: So easily.
3: So yeah, this,
1: this idea of maintenance. So I've had so with this new telemedicine program where I'm slinging, slinging weight loss drugs across the country. Uh, close to a thousand patients through it now since like October last, like so, like six months or so. Yeah, so it's eight months. Um, and I love to hear their stories. I'm I read their story and I have them kind of recap it. And I have so many people that have lost hundred pounds back five years ago. The pandemic happens. It threw them for, through a loop or it doesn't have to be the pandemic. Something in their life shifted. Someone died. They got married. They changed their jobs. They moved. They had kids. Something threw them off their maintenance and they lost that focus. And of course, those bio- I talk about those biological drivers and th- those drivers are all around us. But if something shifts in your life and it teeters the balance back into the environment's winning Yeah, you slowly regain that. And, and it's so interesting to hear. It's like, how do you get people to, even if they get their life thrown off to go refocus, come on, refocus before you, you gain, you know, five, 10 pounds. And just keeps coming to where you gain back that 50 to hundred to 200 pounds or whatever it was. Uh, it's an interesting concept. I don't know how to do it. It's it's not a sexy thing. No, you, you know,
3: I, I, I do. Um, I do believe some part of me benefits from being a sober person because um, there's so many parallels. There's so many behavioral things, which I, I go like, I wouldn't be doing this behavior that I'm about to do. This would not be okay. If that was wine, if that was pot, if that was cocaine, if that was heroin, if that was a painkiller, this would be, this is, there is a, such a, a hard line there, right. For me that I can put everything through that lens and go like, this behavior is, is pretty much the same. I'm just using a different substance. Now I'm gonna, I'm going to get something out of this food that I no longer want to be getting out of food, which is an escape or a settling of my nerves or a cheering me up or, you know, even just like I'm bored and I want some entertainment somehow. You you know what I mean? Like all of those things, I got to find other, other ways in my life to experience those things or to, to deal with those things other than drugs and alcohol. And so when I look at food in that way, it becomes a bit easier to go like, no, I can't do that. You, You know? So I don't know. I mean, you know, and I I don't, I don't even go, I'm not an OA person. I I knew about OA, but I I don't even do OA, but I I don't think it's like, I I don't even know anything about it, to be honest with you. I don't know what the program is, but I think like if you got like-minded people to talk about, to talk to, to be vulnerable with, to share your issues, I, I don't think it's a bad thing and it's free and it's probably everywhere. Yeah, it,
1: it support and community can be very powerful. I think for obviously eating, discussing strategies on how to avoid the the pitfalls and all the different. I don't know. It's it's tough though. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, we have you know we have coaches, we have behavioral psychologists. You know, I use I, I use behavioral modification along with medicines. Um, but honestly, we should have all these tools in the toolbox to to use at our disposal. To help, but even still not the total guarantee.
3: Right. Yeah. You know, I, I just think it's like, um, if you tell a kid with dyslexia to just try harder at reading, this is not a solution. Yeah, correct. You know what I mean? Just decide you're a good reader or, you know, work harder. You a kid with dyslexia is going to have to work harder. Um, yes, To read and and many do. And so we know that there's stuff that can be done to help kids with dyslexia, Uh, but that's not a choice. Right. You know, and I think there's many physiological things happening with obese people that is being discarded and going like, no, they just like McDonald's or whatever it is, whatever your idea of the choice is. Yeah. yeah, It's it's a big problem with stigma. I mean,
1: you know, of course I I think I look back at like when I was younger, I'd always look around and be like, why does that guy, why is that guy so big? Why is a guy or girl so big? Like, why don't they just like work harder? Right. And then it wasn't until, you know, medical school learning about it and then learning from other doctors who deal with it, And then having the patients describe their stories. And I'm like, Oh, I was a real dumb shit. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. Right. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was so the this there's stigma that's just kind of ingrained into us. And um, you know, I think it's good things like this. With social media is a double edged sword, of course. You get, you know, you get the pockets of people that are like minded. But I've noticed, you know, since I wrote that blog and trying to be vocal on social media, and there's a lot of other vocal people on social media. This podcast will help more people are kind of opening up to this idea. That's like, oh, I guess it's probably not as much in control of it as, as we think, uh, again, I do, I don't want to misconstrue. I think we have control to make the decision to try to fight back, but developing it and being no matter what successful, not as much in in our control, but we have control to fight it. Um, I will say, so uh, I think hopefully it's opening up people's minds.
3: Yeah. I, I think the other, um, problem is all these guys who say it's a choice or the majority of them are hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners
1: deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of
3: potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
0: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.
3: You know, even if we don't just assume what their idea of a good diet is, because I would be willing to bet their ancestral tenant people or, or whatever, maybe not, maybe they're all, you know, eating chicken, broccoli and rice three times a day or macros, right? Yeah. They're macro bros or they're calories in calories out bros who are, you know, giving up their rice for a pint of ice cream at the end of the day, who fucking knows what these guy's doing. (laughs) But like the, the, and, and like, I, I guess I'm probably more, in this than the average Joe simply because I talk about it a lot and I follow a lot of people who talk about it a lot and I'm paying attention. The two messages that seem to be the loudest right now to me are uh, vegan is the correct choice to make for everyone or carnivore is the correct choice to make for everyone. Um, those are the, the, the loudest and <laughs> they, and, and I go like, I wouldn't recommend either of those things as a solution to obesity, no. like, you know, I just
1: wouldn't, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, it's politics. You, you, the loudest people are like the most extreme. I think, I think most people are in the middle, somewhere in the middle, you know, you get some variances there, but, um, these loudest people are what you hear. And it, it drives me insane. Cause I like, I just want to fight them. You know, right. I just, I just want to be like, no, you idiot. Unfortunately. Those loudest extreme people are what it, the the more extreme is is when you learn about marketing. People love that shit. They they eat it up because it's it's different. It's exciting. It's like wow, what's this new thing? Kind of new and shiny. Um, but the, it's crazy. It's not. It's it's not. It's not what most people actually would do. Yeah. You know who's people can do a. I don't care if people do a carnivore. I have, I have some patients that have done it. They've done great. I've, but I've also had a ton of patients that have done that similar type of thing, carnivore or just keto. Um, you know, they might've, they might've thrown in some broccoli, gotten crazy and thrown in some broccoli in there with their, with their ribeyes, but uh, you know, they couldn't stick to it. They didn't like it. They might've liked the broccoli and um, uh, butter on their ribeyes, but uh, ultimately they wanted to eat other stuff. And then you got the, the vegans, um, you know, they, everybody's, I, I know a lot of people have tried the plant-based thing I've done. I've done both types of diets and it's like, man, I don't know how anybody would stick to this. It's, it's extreme. And those yeah. people are the loudest though. So, so you hear them, you see them, they go viral, you know, liver King, man, the guy, the guy's eating what I don't even know. He's eating like him and another guy, they're eating testicle, uh, cow testicles, bull testicles. So it's like, wow, that's funny. Let's share this. And then, so that kind of stuff goes viral. So you see it, but it's like most people aren't like that. And they aren't solutions because um, most people won't actually do those things for, for long term. And I'm not sure even if they could do it long-term, it's the best, best idea. But um,
3: no, I, my parents did that. I remember my, I was, uh, um, I, I had every diet inflicted upon me as a kid. And there was a period where my parents were eating raw meat. And I was just like, I'm, (laughs) I'm not going to do this. You know, I was probably 12 years old and I was just like, no, this was one of the things where it's like, you want to excise all white things, onion, cabbage, Turkey, cheese. Like there was a, there was an all like all white foods are bad period. And I was (laughs) like, okay, okay. Fine. And then there was another time where it was like, all red foods are bad. Red cabbage, red onions are out. Red wow. peppers are out. Red meat is out. And and so I, and so I went along with most of the diets. But when it came to raw meat and by the way, I today will crush a steak tartare. I yeah. love it. And I've been to a, a Japanese steakhouse which served as a course um, raw liver. And oh, you wow. got a little sauce, but you got these tiny little pieces of raw liver and you dipped it in the sauce and it was pretty damn good. I would never pick up a liver and just bite out of it. That's just me. It's not something I'm interested. In. I don't think most people would. That makes yeah. me want to vomit. <laughs> yeah. it did, and, 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 and then as far as keto goes, like I thought for years that keto was the be all end all to dieting. And what happened was after I lost a bunch of weight and wasn't losing weight anymore, I had to, without knowing I was doing it, basically cut calories to, to get anywhere. And, and when I finally realized, like, I'm just, it's just how much I'm eating at this point, because I'm not losing weight unless I'm restricting food on fucking keto, which I, I thought I never would have to do. I was like, well, what happens if I just restrict food and eat carbs? And it was the same. I lost yes. weight. I actually felt better. So that's why I don't do that. But it's like, you know, I don't know, man. I think that um, talking about choice, y- y- you got to take into consideration that like um, what, <laughs> what, you know, not everybody is a PhD in nutrition. So. Yeah you're obese. Okay. Don't be obese anymore. Make that decision. Okay. What does that mean? What's next? What do they eat? What, you know, what's your plan, Mr. It's a choice.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. There's, there are people with PhDs in nutrition that have obesity too. So clearly, you know, something's, (laughs) something else is going on. Right. Even if, even some, even most of my patients tell me there's, there's some that just don't know what the hell's going on, but there are majority of them, they a lot of them follow me, and they go, "I know exactly what to do. I, 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 I know what to do. I, can't, I just can't do it. It's too hard to do it. Yeah, because it's, it, it, you know, again, going to more analogies. Like imagine you have, whatever, an apple, and you got something high calorie, you know, whatever, French fries or something. And and you know, to most people, like just eat the apple. It's like imagine you have those kind of choices all day, and I'm just kind of nudging you." like nudging you to go eat the, in in, in your ear, come on, go eat that, go eat that. That's kind of what the, I don't know if that's what you're, if you could describe what your brain kind of, uh, chemistry was going on, your signals going on, but that's basically what my patients tell me. It's just like, I know I should eat that other thing, but it's just like, I'm just so driven to this other food. It's not, it's not choice necessarily.
3: Well, I mean, yes, a lot of that, but then there would also be, um, instances where I would be actively deciding not to do something. And then almost like I'd blacked out, come to Ah. doing the thing. Uh, And, and it's not like I was literally unconscious because a lot of it involved driving to a place and doing thing. but there would be this thing of like, don't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do this. And then I'm doing it. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, I I wasn't going to do this, you know? And so I I don't know, you know, and you, you want to say it's all weakness. Okay. I I think that today it's a choice that said for me personally, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a choice that said there could be a disruption in my life that sends me off into a universe where I'm not actively making that choice and, and something, some unwanted result occurs that, that I'm not going, yes, I want this to happen. I'm making this decision, you know, analytically. Um, But I don't think it's, it would have been useful to try to get me to change by telling me one day you'll really be able to think clearly about this. OK, or even today, you should be able to think really clearly about this. You're in the thick of it. Um, all it requires all, uh, you got here based on your own determinate determination and you you chose your way into this state and now you have to choose your way. I just don't think like, you know, I like the rah, rah. It's shit's going to be hard. And you got to fucking wait to uh, yeah. figure out how to like that suck. You know, like I like that. That wouldn't have, that message wouldn't have resonated with me 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I was, um, fragile, you know? And, and like, I just don't know how I, I, if the, if the intent is like, we need to get a lot of people out of this condition. I think it's a bad, um, a bad scheme. I really do.
1: Yeah. I, I, Look, I, I, am right there with you. I mean, that's, that's what I do all day talking to people. And so hopefully people listening are just kind of like, Oh, okay. I kind of think of this a little bit differently. I don't right. know. I don't know. Hopefully op- at least one
3: person listening to this. Yeah. A little b- bit By the way, as far as woke, I'm not really a woke person. I am a person who, uh, I want to understand different perspectives. I want to, um, you know, listen to people talk about things that I actually really disagree with and figure out how they're right. That's what I'm, I really want to do that a lot of the times. And so like, I can see the perspective of it's a choice. I just think that the people who are usually saying that, um, are saying that from a place of having no idea what it's like to make that choice. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, you're, you're having
1: empathy the other way. Yeah. I'm trying, trying to. to put yourself I, I mean, in their shoes. I, I agree. I mean, cause I, I, I was probably more like that back in, you know, younger. And I now am like trying to help people see it differently. And so I, I understand where they're coming from, but um, to me, it's just a lack of really understanding.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Doc, thank you so much. This has been a really fun conversation, and I hope we uh, have simultaneously pissed some people off and uh, maybe changed some minds.
1: I hope so, too. Thanks for having me on. It's always
3: a good discussion. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Michael Pena. Oh,
2: buddy, buddy, what's going on?
3: How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm in in an uh, an airport right now.
3: Well, thanks for making the time for this call. I wanted to see how, how this last week has been.
2: So this last week, you know, what, what's good about like, like I've basically been keeping up with this walking thing. Yeah. And if it's, you know, basically what's really helped out is I was trying to get ready for a golf tournament, you know, that we had in Lake Tahoe, but I only had a couple of weeks, but that the default, I was, I, I was walking by default. You know what I mean? So I was, I was walking at least 20,000 steps a day, and then I measured myself again. And I'm 192.
3: That's and I was amazing, like, Whoa, dude.
2: dude, This is crazy, dude. I mean, this is just nuts, because I, I've been killing myself, like, in the past to, to you know, to lose weight and stuff. And, um, you know, just walking, just being steady, and walking every day, and sometimes a couple times a day, you know, just just to make sure that like, I feel like I'm burning some calories or getting the, you know, the, the body started. Um, It's dude, it's working like a charm. I don't know if I'm going to have to, um, you know, take it up another notch when I get closer to what I want to be. But now I think I could lose like maybe 18 more pounds and get in the fighting weight. You know what I mean?
3: So awesome, dude. Yeah. And, and the great thing about walking is, you can do that every day. Like it's not like you're beating the body up so bad that you have to take days off from walking.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I actually got some shoes. I got some I'm not, you know, uh, I got some Hokas. I'm not they're not paying me to, you know, for right. advertising or whatever, but like these Hokas are, are you know, they're they're lifesavers if you got, you know, bad knees or hips or whatever. They're super comfortable. It's like just get yourself like a, a a good walking shoe. Um and to be honest with you, like with my with my diet, I haven't been like 100%, but for some reason, it still holds up, you know, because I've been in airports and stuff. So I'm like, I'll have like a sandwich or something. And then, you know, some carbs here and there, like, and it and as long as you stay, I'm going to say 90% good, you know, without going crazy. And, you know, eating like a box of chocolates or something like I, your body responds to it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm kind of amazed by it. And like, I can definitely see the difference. I'm like, the belt loops, um, i I could see that there's one that I haven't worn in yet. Right. Uh, that I, where I'm at right now, so I'm kind of stoked. Some of the, you know, my pants are, are you know, fe- feeling kind of big and stuff. So, um, this is good.
3: That's amazing, dude. Yeah, I always think if I wanna if I wanna lose weight, I, I there has to be more effort put towards the the idea behind dieting than the opposite than like the like well i'm in this tricky situation but i do i completely agree with you i don't think i think if we get wrapped up in having to be absolutely one way or the other we can get it's just like impossible and then why even try to do that
2: yeah exactly and i think that i think the 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 other reason that i'm really stoked about this is like you know i used to love to run yeah. And, you know, do, do things like that and box and jump rope and stuff like that. But if I come back and I'm 30 pounds over, and then I decide all of a sudden to, to it's basically like jogging with a, with a weighted vest. Right. It makes absolutely no sense. My ligaments and, and muscles aren't really strong enough to, to like all of a sudden be surprised with this amount of weight and pressure. And then my meniscus, you know, little things, everything will you know, aggravated. So, you know, I think, and also like, I'm, I'm feeling a little better, just more energy. I, I'm normally super nervous for this, you know, this golf tournament. Right. And I was a- able to like, somehow like just manage them much better. I don't know if the two and two go together, but maybe it does. Who knows? Maybe it's psychosomatic. We know.
3: Yeah. No, I, 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 hear you. I, I, I find I'm, generally uh more adept to take on anything that comes up when i'm eating in a manner that that is like more geared towards long-term survival than geared towards like debauchery and gluttony
2: (laughs) yeah exactly
3: that's amazing all right well i'm fucking so happy for you have a safe have a safe flight thanks for taking the time to check in with us and i will uh I'll hit you up and either text you this week, or if you're if you're busy and I can't get a hold of you, we can just talk on the over text, or I'll try to call you sometime
2: later this week. Yeah, that sounds great, dude.
3: All right, brother. Thank you.
2: All right, man. Take care.
3: Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.